0: This is the weekly scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one. Or two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. That's
1: right, it's the weekly scramble here on the Garage Logic Podcast Network. My name is Chris Reavers. Mike Fratellone would normally be with me. Mike is out today as is seemingly everybody else within the walls of Hubbard Broadcasting. But fear not! Reavers has decided to show up, and in addition to putting together a Best of Garage Logic, we are going to do a weekly scramble this week. And in studio with me is my brother from another mother. His name is Ben Quam from Surly Brewing. Ben, it's been too long since you have been in the studio. Welcome back.
0: How heavy is that giant S you wear on your chest?
1: By the way, um, as Royce likes to say, th- this is in no way me avoiding my family on a, a week without school and a, uh, sure. and, and a week where my wife isn't working. That has nothing to do nothing with why to I'm do here with it at, all. at all. It's because I'm so dedicated to this job and what I do here.
0: Radio is in his blood, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
1: So uh, I wanted you to come in for a number of reasons, and I was kind of bummed Mike couldn't join us this week. But uh, you and I attended the Vikings game together on Sunday, and you were talking about the comings and the goings and everything going on with Surly. Can you just kind of give me maybe a, a status update on both Surly, but also the the craft brew scene in the state of Minnesota as a whole? Are, are we out of the woods with the pandemic? <laughs> are we back into the woods with the pandemic? Where I think are we're we? Just,
0: I think we're just running around the woods pretending like we know where we're going. Okay. It's really where it is. Okay. Um, I, I think that anybody uh, that's selling anything right now would agree with me that now is, is the best time, or a better time than any, to support what you love and to support your local community. Totally agree. Anything that you can do to buy things that are made close to home, that are sold from stores that are bringing it in and and bringing it to you in your community, it's Always just going to be the better choice, and right now those dollars mean so much more than anybody can right. can believe. Um, as far as the beer uh, industry goes, you know people have been continuing to to consume alcohol a little bit more at home than they used to. So, um, our bar and restaurant partners and our stadiums, everybody's still a little bit slower, but they're building back. They're trying to get back to where they were. Um, For us specifically, it was the same thing. You know, we were closed for almost 10 months in the beer hall. Is that right? Yep. We got the the regular restaurant beer hall open. Incredible staff out there just killing it. And then we finally, about a month ago, we got the pizza restaurant up and running. So the pizza restaurant is is uh, killing it as well. Because
1: I was there the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, we had a going away party for one of our sales guys that 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 moved on to another uh, company, uh, and I remember being there. And the food, I forgot how great the food is at Surly. Obviously, this just in the beer's not bad either, <laughs> but the food, I forgot how great the food is at at Surly Brewing.
0: It really is. You know, it was a it was a dream um, going back to when when the beer hall was sort of first visualized. Um, Omar has told the story a couple times about just cruising through, um, some of the legendary beer halls in Europe and being like, why don't we have that here? We have tap rooms in other States, but at the time that wasn't a thing we could do in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So the Sterling bill gets pushed through. We can have tap rooms. And then he wanted to have his place where everybody can gather. And that's kind of, that's what brought me to beer. It's what brought me to the bar industry. Uh, yeah. you know, even before I got into beer, kind of back when you and I met Chris was the idea of... I like the idea of providing that hospitality and that space for you to forget about your problems, for you to just relish the loved ones around you and have a good time. And to me, cracking open a beer is a great way of doing that, because the person sitting next to me could be a multi-multi-millionaire, and I could be barely getting by with my tens of dollars, and that beer is the same. Mm -hmm. we, We have that beer, we sit down next to each other. It makes everybody that same level and I think that that vibe when you're sitting at a beer hall and you look around and the drinks are the same price for everybody and we're all just talking and we all have something in common that we've had a lot on our shoulders or we're celebrating something or we just need a little bit of time away to relax and breathe so that when we go home none of that stuff is still sitting on our shoulders. And that's what that place provided for me before I ever worked for Surly. Mm-hmm. And now I love being able to bring my friends down and be like, hey, let's have let's make a night of this. Let's have a good time and let's celebrate, again, with great food and great beer. It goes hand in hand, so you're not sacrificing one for the other. And anywhere that you can find that combo, you're going to find people that are happy and reveling in that moment.
1: Yeah, and I know one of the things, too, that people should know about you— because uh, you've been on the show a number of times, and one of the things that people should know about you is in addition to working in the craft beer industry with one of the biggest brands going right now, you are also a giant foodie. Yeah, I mean, giant foodie between Physically you
0: and metaphorically between, <laughs>
1: <laughs> between you and Mike Fredalone and Rookie, yeah, you yeah. three guys go to more restaurants than anybody else known to man yeah
0: but i have to ignore rookie because he like he's lost so much weight he looks so nice like i feel like i can't include him on on the on the crowd you know because
1: his new he will not shut up about it the place that's by you guys uh is it joey
0: meatballs oh joey meatballs over in the malcolm yards food hall
1: so how close is that to you guys walking distance that's what i thought yeah. he he will not stop raving about that place
0: i i Every single place in Malcolm Yards is incredible. Um, I really love that we're we're getting more of these food halls. I like the idea of walking in and grabbing one thing here and one thing there and kind of bouncing around. Um, Joey Meatballs is great. Chef Hadquest is awesome. I've followed him through a couple different restaurants, and everything that he's always had on his menus, delicious. Yeah. But you also got Rectangle Pizza. Um, you got uh, Baby Zito, the burger joint there. You got... Um, um, oh, man, I'm blanket Bagu, the sushi joint in there. You can get something from all over the place. There's incredible empanadas there. Like, you can get... I love doing... I spent way too much money. But I literally <laughs> dropped like 40 bucks, but I got one thing from each place. And then we just sat and kind of sampled and went around.
1: See, that was where I was going, going is because, you know, obviously... The, the the service industry as a whole took a massive hit yep. two years ago, and we all, we all are very well aware of that. A lot of places didn't make it. Yep. Um, some places are even still struggling to get by. Is that going to be the new concept going forward in 2022 and beyond, the fact that you're going to be able to partner with? Because I look at it this way. I'm kind of probably the exception because I don't go out to eat very often with my wife and kids, but when we do – I have three of the pickiest eaters known yeah. to man in my yeah. family. You know what I'm saying? So I think having kind of a, what's the a la carte style, mm-hmm. yep. I think that that could really serve a lot of different families well. Well, Maybe okay. I'm way off.
0: No, no, no. I don't, you're not way off. It's just an interesting question because what it did was it, it introduced another facet to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If this was San Diego, I would tell you no because food trucks already have that. But True. Um or, or or New York City, same thing. Like there's street food everywhere you go, so you're set. But we live in a community here in the Twin Cities where not only a does the government make it incredibly hard for anybody to do any sort of street food, but then b we have a climate that makes like six to seven months of that completely untenable. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong. I love that we have food trucks that are succeeding, uh, chilling outside smaller breweries at ten o'clock on a January night. But it's it, your, your sales numbers are never going to be what they would be if it was warm out because people don't want to go stand outside and wait. Mm-hmm. What these food halls do is provide you that experience without having to stand outside in the elements. Yeah. So if you can walk in and a lot of these places, not just there, but, but kind of all around. I think we have three food halls right now in the the Minneapolis area. And a lot of them started as either food trucks or like pop-up kitchens. And now they have a space without having to secure a bank loan to get an entire brick and mortar place by themselves and then grow like that. Now, where I will say, I don't know that I'll ever see the tide completely change is that also means that you're only able to provide your food. If you have an idea of like an ambiance that you want or a vibe for everybody, you're kind of at the mercy of your landlord, whoever that may be. So, you know, if you have designs of having like a nicer full menu deal, but they're just going to be dropping like late '90s, early '2000s in sync, and Britney Spears. <laughs> you know, like there's a weird trade-off that will happen there. So what wait I, a minute, I want to go to that food <laughs> truck. and I can relive my Mankato State days all over again. Oops, I ate it again. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's it, it introduced a new way for small restaurant tours to get a foothold to then springboard to where they want to go. And to me, any new path that you can lay out. For anybody that wants to live out their dream of opening a restaurant and doing all that, I think it's only going to seek to make our community healthier and stronger. Because then they can prove to a bank with numbers, hey, this is what we did when we were a part of seven other restaurants. And then it also helped get the name out. So when you do get your brick and mortar, you do get your own restaurant then people already know you. They know your food is good. Now they want to see what you do with the sure. rest of it.
1: Well, now you're you're, you're making me re, you're reminding me, excuse me, of something, an observation that I made on Sunday. Speaking of us being at the Vikings game, I was walking to the stadium, and one of the things I noticed was, and I think I shared this with you when we were sitting at the game, and I remember looking around, going, nothing's open. Yeah. And I thought this is so bizarre because it was it had to have been close, if not a sellout of the game, right mm-hmm. on, on on Sunday. And I'm thinking, I remember days where. That entire strip from the, that that corner Fifth and Hennepin, where Poorhouse, the Loon, all of those places were always open. Uh, Sneaky Pete's were always open all day, and they always usually did really well when the Vikings had a home game on Sunday. So here's a really simple, but yet very convoluted question. What
0: happened? Well, you still don't have a ton of people that are that are in the offices, you know. <clears throat>
1: oh, sure. If you look yeah. at it,
0: it, like because it, it you can't just have a staff that pops up for home Vikings games. True. You know, you you if so you're going to hire somebody, you want to be able to give them a full week's work so that they stay employed there and they they stick around with you. And, you know, just target alone not returning to their offices yet. That's like 34,000 people. And if you look at the amount of other companies that are still trying to figure out what their new model is going to be, in a, it won't be a post-COVID world, but whenever we have a handshake agreement with COVID like we do with influenza, um, they're going to have to figure out, like is a giant cubicle farm going to be what the future of business looks like? Or are companies going to permanently hybrid with people being at home? If that's the case, then we have to completely look at how city centers are constructed, not just from the restaurants and bars perspective, but just how everything flows. Mm -hmm. We've we've the entire history basically of America, at least since the Industrial Revolution, has been built around all of the business center is in the middle of the city Mm -hmm. and then everything else radiates out. And starting in the 50s, you saw the suburbs kind of start pulling things out, but it was always, you know, your chain stores and small companies, places where they were a part of a strip mall and they could, you know, get rent for cheap. But the big companies were still in the epicenter of the city. They were still in the middle of the city. And I don't know what that future looks like right now. No, You know, we've seen the the craft food and beverage world has rippled out. Beyond the suburbs yeah. and into literally the, the farmland of the Midwest you can find an incredible craft beer an incredible craft cocktail farm-to-table food in the middle of a small town anywhere at this point Yeah, and so if that's the case then what's the draw like what are we going to do to get people back down into the city? And I think you still have the theaters you still have concerts, but as long as people are still very gun-shy about that I don't know how until there's a, a real commitment to start bringing everybody back down sure now you know you go a couple years and the uh, building owners are going to start freaking out because they don't have enough tenants because people don't want to do that anymore they'll figure out how to parcel that up and then bring people down but this reminds me for anybody that's a little bit older in the twin cities this reminds me a lot of um the mid to late 90s really in 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 downtown minneapolis specifically i can't speak to st paul because i i was not going to shelbyville back then but uh (laughs) <laughs> For me, uh, downtown Minneapolis, you know, like where where well now it's the Mayo Clinic Center was that was just a giant open parking lot full of garbage.
1: I remember going to that Smashing Pumpkins concert. Yeah. There was that. Would that have been the Aquatennial? What was that? Now, it, I believe was it that was, what it was, it was the Aquatennial. Yeah. And I remember thinking, here is this dumb hick from fairbowl that goes to school at Mankato, going up with a couple friends and thinking, well, golly gee, this ought to be fun. And then you got there and you saw. There's 200 bleeping thousand people that are trying to jam pack into one square. It was awesome, but there's no way that would happen today.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, my my favorite memory of that show was uh, when they got done, some idiot climbed the street light or the, the, the traffic light on, I guess that would have been, like ran 5th and Hennepin. And he was trying to like monkey bars all the way out. No. And like, oh, the no. cops were all down there shouting for him to get down. And he started like like everybody was chanting, and he started like kind of bouncing, rocking along, on the. Oh no! And he he lost his grip. And he fell, and I have never seen somebody fall into the shape that he fell in. Oh no! And the cops were there, I think, ready to actually hurt him until they saw like his oh, arm is busted, the, his leg is shot. The sound that came out of him when he hit the oh, ground
1: no. was
0: a great precursor to knowing that I would love Jackass later in life. Sure, right? Because uh, I, I couldn't stop laughing, and I'm I, I hope he's all right. I don't wish any ill on him. But uh, he did had, <laughs> do it to himself, and I had never I just never heard that sound come out of a human being before. Oh, it was my kind goodness. of amazing. But that was like I remember that. I the first time I got robbed was at Pop's Arcade. Like no there wasn't there was no one to go to and say I just got robbed. Like there just there was no security or police presence anywhere. Wow. We go through these ebbs and flows and we're gonna have to figure out what that next step is. And honestly, it'll probably be when more businesses start filling back up on the corporate side. There's just more money in there, then they'll push for more police to be there. Sure. And then You know, maybe we'll see a resurgence, but at the same time, you know, I I don't know. I I didn't expect what's happened over the last three or four years to happen in the suburbs. And I'm really happy for that too. You know, like how many times have you had to weigh out? Like, well, I want to drive in to go to a concert, like given where you live, Mm -hmm. I want to drive in to go to a concert. I'm going to have a couple beers. My Uber would be 60 or $70 in either direction. Do I just want to drive? Like once you start putting all that in, if you were also thinking that about just going to dinner. You know, you want to celebrate, have a nice glass of wine? Well, maybe you don't want to drive 45 minutes anymore. Right. And so that's, that's going to have to be the question that everybody wants to ask is, how is my relationship with an epicenter of a city? Mm-hmm. Like, forget about crime or any stories you've heard on the news. What is your relationship to that drive? And what is your relationship to the memories and the businesses down there versus what's in your community?
1: Yeah. You know? And that's the thing, I guess, because for me, you know, I've worked – in and around downtown Minneapolis since 2001 mm-hmm. um, when I first was uh, got out of school. And I remember thinking just the same thing, like kind of how, how, man, there were so many fun summers. And, but again, your life changes, you have kids. I, mm-hmm. I get all of that. But I guess what dawned on me was I always have a route when I go to U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. I have a great parking spot that you know very well, but I'm not going to divulge because <laughs> it's, it's a great spot, it's cheap, and it's walking distance. But on a cold uh, morning like that there was always hopcat which yep. was halfway mm-hmm. so i could stop in cuz hopcat was such a great spot mm-hmm. and i remember walking by going i'm bummed out that was such a great spot they had such great food their staff was always awesome and their beer selection was beyond anyone's in downtown minneapolis yep. and i just started that that's the kind of stuff that i started to think about thinking Man, that all of that's now just lost. The the, the, char- the character, the vibe. And I and I'm going back to you and I were both heavily involved working in a number of events around when the Super Bowl is here. Yep. And rem- and that wasn't that long ago. And remember just how vibrant and alive downtown was that entire week. It was so cool to be a part of. None of us slept, you know, but it was just our chance to kind of show everyone we're pretty kick-ass here, you know, and, and I guess that's what really bummed me out on Sunday.
0: Well, you know, that's the other thing is is we also have to realize that we have, like, there are always going to be great streaks where something was really awesome for for a, a while, right? Like, we managed to develop a really cool sort of, like, nightclub nightlife culture mm-hmm. that lasted for almost 20 years in the downtown area. Now... All the people that were there for the founding of it have aged through and most of them, you know, you've moved on to figure out different stuff, whether it's starting a family or moving somewhere or whatever. The young kids coming up are going to find something else or maybe just not want to do that. Maybe they're going to have their own thing. So you have that to deal with at just that 20 year limit. But then on top of that, it's so rare that you have like massive social justice, uh, like a worldwide Social justice slash um, movement over the fight over racism in the country, and a worldwide pandemic happening at the exact same time right. in the middle of that city,
1: and we happen to be in the epicenter Correct. of that at times. Right, and
0: we don't know the answer to any of the questions that were asked by either one of those things at the same time as all mm-hmm. of this. So you have the life the natural life cycle of like a cool area to hang out at, like the way that in any city. It just moves where the cool stuff is. It just kind of keeps moving around because it gets really popular, then it gets really expensive, and then the people that are trying to make the next wave go somewhere else where it's cheaper, build it up, figure it out. You know, like, I think the North Loop is now the beneficiary of that, where that is still the place where everything is kind of sizzling. That was, 10 years ago, that was vacant warehouses. I remember,
1: uh, I forget who the first people we had on this show years ago. And just seeing the transition, whether it's—I mean, the smartest people there were was Fulton, mm-hmm. because when they they weren't, would they be the first ones that really established themselves there when Target Field opened? As far as I can remember, yeah. Okay, so but people don't realize that transition from before Target Field even existed to where that area is right now, and it's it, wild. It's, it's really cool. And I know a lot of it is residential and but mm-hmm. but they have done an amazing job with that stretch of property in minneapolis
0: well and that's that's how it works you know you have a new neighborhood coming in they'll give um, tax credits to people that want to start their own businesses there you know look at the way that the the hot zones move around in in new york city yeah you know uh f- five ten years ago everybody was moving to brooklyn and now harlem and then you know like it, it'll just keep shifting mm-hmm. We're just a little bit smaller and because of that and also a little more conservative so because of that it hasn't moved around a whole lot but it has gone from like downtown to uptown to now it's a question mark and it'll be who wants to make the first move who wants to make it attractive for new businesses to try and open up and then start over.
1: All right, so before we get to the main reason that you were here, I do want to give you the opportunity to promote. You have your own podcast, which I've been a guest on. I do. Um, So please let people know where they can find that show, sir. Yeah,
0: so uh, we have a show. uh, My co-host Charles Awad and I have a show called Libations for Everyone. Uh, you can find it on any of the the podcast platforms. Uh, it's a real easy format. It's uh, six questions and six shots. Mm-hmm. We take a shot before <laughs> each question. And uh, originally the idea was it was supposed to be an hour-long show, so it was going to be six 10-minute segments. And we never even came close to that. No. But you definitely swung for the fences. You have now been lapped twice. By people that wanted to beat the Reavers' mark, really. But you you spent the longest at the top for the longest episode. Dang it! I might have to come back on and <laughs> we'll regain my throne. But yeah, it's it was a way of kind of recreating during COVID. It was a way of recreating the bar conversations that you have, where we talk about like whatever. We'll always acknowledge what the guest does and and why they're interesting and why we wanted to have them on. But the point of the show is to just show everybody and remind everybody how similar we all
1: are. Well, and I will always say that, and I've 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 said this to you seven million times. But the coolest people you will ever meet work in the service industry. Hands down. It's just flat out truth because you have the combination of hustle, you have the combination of hard work, you have the combination of uh, being resilient, uh-huh. being flexible, having to deal with a lot of BS that a normal 8 to 5 Monday through Friday guy or gal probably couldn't deal with yep. so that's why you'll always find the, the it's basically the backbone I think of, of a lot of really cool areas is the service industry and some of the coolest people and and some of the greatest characters
0: you'll ever yeah. meet. I think that's part of it too. Is is that no matter what you have to, if you're going to go down that path, you have to sort of blaze your own trail. <laughs> it's you know, it's pretty rare that you'll have a whole bunch of people in your family that are happy about your career choices. Right. So you have to learn how to be very independent and how to promote yourself because nobody that cares about you is doing that for you. Right. And I think that there's there's a weird because of that, it creates w- weird like familial bonds when you work with people. Like I don't know, it's like it's like having a best friend from camp. Like you, <laughs> you've been through so much together oh, yeah. that no one else understands. Yep. And then you you know, especially if you're working late, you exist at hours that the rest of the world doesn't. No. And there is people don't understand a
1: what it feels like when the clock strikes two a.m. on Sunday morning Saturday night. No one knows what that sense of relief truly truly oh, is where you go from 45 minutes earlier I'm angry, I hate everything, uh-huh. I want this to be over with, to at 205 I just want to give everybody a hug yep. because it's done. We made it. We made it through. There's I got I got asked one time
0: uh what my favorite sound in the world was and I'm not allo- I was not allowed to say music. And uh right like the one A was my wife's laugh and one B was when I got in my car at four in the morning, Sunday morning, driving home, knowing I didn't have to be at work for a few days, I would turn all the music off, which anybody that knows me knows how rare that is, and I would open the windows if it was warm enough, and I would just listen to the sound of oh, the yeah. wind going by. No ticket machines, no one yelling anything, no radio, no anything. Literally silent. Literally just the <laughs> whoo- And it gives me chills just thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. So, Also, before we move on, uh, uh, you do have to let people know how uncomfortable I was because you guys do a different show where you're allowed to use profanity (laughs) and how awkward I felt when you you basically told me to swear and said, I I can't. For 20 years, I've Uh, I've looked at a microphone and just it's dad brain where you just change it to a different gear and you don't use profanity. Trust me. You know, you've known me a long time. (laughs) No one likes to swear more than I do,
0: but it's like, once there's a mic in your face, you just change gears. Yeah. That was, it was a weird thing where like, I thought it would be funny. And then I was like, Oh my God, did we break Reavers? (laughs) You kind of stuttered with an F a few times. I I, I don't know if I can do this. And, uh, and it was, you know, honestly though, it's, it's refreshing because I, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on a lot of different radio shows and I, uh, you know, knock on wood, I still haven't screwed up. Right. But. Half the time, if you ask me what I was just talking about, I tell you I don't know because I'm just trying not to swear. <laughs> but, like all I'm, all I'm saying in my brain over and over is, "Don't swear, don't swear, don't swear." Right, right. So the fact that you can internalize that so much, where it's almost hard to get yourself to do it in front of a microphone, yeah. is probably one of the myriad reasons you're good at what you do for a living. <laughs> well, thank
1: you, I appreciate that. Because
0: I am, I am literally an eyelash away from an <laughs> f bomb at all times,
1: right, on a moment's notice.
0: <laughs> so you brought in a couple of
1: t-shirts. We're nice enough to bring in a couple t-shirts. I for did. myself and Mike Fertoloni, oh. Ben, I can't believe this. <laughs> you guys are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Furious. Isn't that wild? That's insane. I, I mean, obviously it all makes sense given the timeline, but I never would have get if, if you had asked me how old do you think Furious is, I'd say, oh, I don't know. It can't be 10 years, but 06 yep. it debuted. <laughs> it's it, <laughs> was it 06 or is it 07 into the new year?
0: I I, I believe it was 06. Okay. when I was there for the first pouring. Okay, so. Yeah, I'm almost sure that's how that works out. That's crazy. So um, I didn't work for the company. Uh, I knew Omar tangentially, and uh, I knew Todd through one of his former coworkers. And uh, I had opened a bar with some friends of mine uh, working. not I was not one of the investors, but I was working with them to open a new bar called Max Industrial Sports Bar. Sure. And um, our idea, their idea and our idea was to try and create... Like a bar where people in the service industry could feel like they were welcome at all times. Like the big push was to have a kitchen open till literally the last minute so that people that were getting cut could still get somewhere and get a, a warm meal. And then we wanted to have drinks that people wanted. So we wanted to try, like the craft beer scene was just kind of getting going. Sure. Um, you know, we had had shells forever and Summit had been around, I think, since 83 and um, Jorg had been around and then left. But like the, the modern craft beer movement was just kind of getting its legs underneath it. And uh, we got invited to, um, to a first pouring. And it doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but I, I sort of look at this the same way that I do like my friends' kids that I see infrequently, right. where like all of a sudden your son that I carried around like a football is like five feet tall. <laughs> and I'm right. like, wait, when did that, how did that happen? And then you think about the math and you're like, oh God, yeah. Like thinking about that day, when we all went and we had uh, Surly Furious and Surly Bender for the first time.
1: Those were the first two beers? Those were the first two beers. Okay.
0: And thinking about that that was in the back of an abrasives factory, which eventually became the Brooklyn Center Brewery. Mm -hmm. But that was just in the back of an abrasives factory. And there was a single metal cart with a basket of potato chips and a basket of pretzels on it. And I was standing there with my chin strap and my mohawk, because that's how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> and and we all really liked Furious mm-hmm. but we all unanimously agreed that there's no way Minnesotans would ever drink that but we definitely bet that Bender would soon overtake Newcastle as like the brown ale ish that everybody would want to go for, it's perfect. It's easy drinking for Minnesotans. Like we're all good, and we put them both on tap. And within a couple months, Furious was like lapping it three times.
1: Well, and by the way, shout out to Max Industrial because it is it is a great hang uh, for anyone that's in, in the city. Whether it's oh, I'm meeting I'm meeting somebody for lunch, go to Max. Yeah. If you're just having a couple of drinks for a Twins game, go to Max with your friends because you and I have been there nothing short of a dozen times together and it's absolutely one of the one of the best uh, one of the best bars in, in this entire city and the other thing I like about it is you, you and you hit on it earlier it's the place that bartenders and servers go when they just want to kind of unwind that's the kind of vibe and that's the kind of hang of that place
0: and that's it's like a magic mm-hmm. thing you can attempt it all you want but it's kind of a magic thing when you hit it right mm-hmm. and I've noticed as I've traveled in my adult years that I find that bar in every city I go to. Really? And there's a there is like a simpatico that happens when you walk in. You just know it. Mm-hmm. Like you take a deep breath and you look around and you're like, oh shit, I'm home. Oh, oh, I got shucks, you. I'm home. I
1: got you. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. See, there it is. All right. So you just poured me something. This looks like it has a bit of a sour tint to it. Tell me what is in my hand, Mr. Ben Kwam from Surly Brewing.
0: So this is Serpents in the Garden. Uh, I wanted to give you... I do know that you love you love some sours. I do. Yes, I do. And you love some IPAs. So we're going to start with a sour. And this one is... Uh, I believe it came in at 9-4. Oh,
1: boy. 9-4. Yep. Okay. 9-4. Is this available right now? It is. Okay.
0: So it's a uh, a strawberry and black currant fruited kettle sour.
1: Oh, my goodness gracious. You know what's funny? Obviously given my very limited knowledge and run on doing this show I probably would have guessed it was a sour but if you were the average you probably wouldn't have if could because the thing is when you when you tell someone it's a sour beer it's immediately off-putting to some because it's a very uh polarizing beer but this is really good there's it's there isn't that really hit you in the face bitterness that comes out right away this well, is a really good beer
0: there's there's a couple things that work there one is. <clears throat> that we don't have a facility to do like wild ferment sours. You can really let stuff go and let literally the the bacteria like make it as funky and wild as as you want. But that has to be done in a separate facility because if that infects anything else, you're screwed. You won't, you won't be able to get that out.
1: Correct. So, what is, by the way, remind me because I should know this answer how much longer of a process to make a sour beer is it as opposed to just a regular IPA? It
0: depends on how crazy you want to go with it. Okay. I mean, there there are barrels that can sit for years. Wow. Um, you can sell our sours just as you would uh, like a Russian Imperial Stout and they'll change, like they'll continue to kind of move around. Those won't get more sour, but their flavors definitely will will change as they go. Wow. Um, but the nice part about a kettle sour is we can do it relatively quickly, um, and then it lets the fruit breathe. So for us, this is something that we can do that we don't have to worry about infecting other batches of beer, and it still can hit a flavor profile that we don't normally hit. You know, when you think of surly beers, most people think of really bold, usually really hoppy, really big beers. And we hadn't done a lot in the fruited category. And we kind of, um, right around the time that the pandemic started, we kicked out Grapefruit Supreme. And that was. Uh, Which is a
1: fantastic beer, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: four and a half percent tart it's wheat ale. Yes. It is, it is, it, I, by volume, I probably drink that more than any other beer we and have. And
1: this is not an insulting indictment, by the way, but this, that, folks, that's the kind of beer that Joe, the Grapefruit Supreme, is perfect lawn mowing beer. Because it's, what did you say, it's 4.2? 4.5. 4.5 in the summertime, it's hot, that's the perfect lawn mowing beer.
0: 130 calories in a can, like, you can crush them and not really feel too guilty about anything. I love that. So our brewers were like, okay, well, we're doing that. Like, let's, let's get weird with it. Let's see what we can do, you know, further down that. So they started experimenting with a ton of different fruits, and they wanted to make something a little bit bigger, and here we end up with... Something that's uh, more than double the ABV. And if I didn't yeah, tell see. you
1: that. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, nope, I never would have guessed that. I would have guessed this. this is maybe around five.
0: The first sip I had of this, uh, I was handed a, a glass of it at mm-hmm. a goodbye party for one of our good friends and former coworkers. And I I mean, it was a hot day. It was like 90 out. Oh, perfect. And I had done what I normally do. And I started talking on my way in. So I never actually got inside to get a beer. So I've been standing outside in the hot sun for half an hour and somebody hands me one. I took it down in three gulps. And he goes, dude, that's nine and (laughs) a half percent. And I was like, well, looks like I'm going to go get some water. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, Because uh, so my curiosity is getting the best of me here. So, was this something then that, that started in the tap room? Became popular, and then someone said, "Maybe we should can this thing."
0: Uh, as far as Grapefruit Supreme goes, no, that was a that was a very um, thoughtful approach to what can we what are we missing in our portfolio? Okay, that people are asking for. Same thing applying to this one, then too. This was okay. If that works, then what else do we want to do? Like, there's there's a never ending supply. If you look at the creativity that comes out of our production team, like our brewers, there is a never ending desire to try and figure out. How far down the rabbit hole you can go in every style with every idea. Cool. And we're fortunate enough to have a tap room the size of ours where we can have, like we do today, 24 beers that are not in market on draft. Wow. And we can let the crowd dictate what we're gonna make. What are we gonna? What are we gonna sell? What are we gonna bring to liquor stores? What are we gonna bring to bars? It's a every day is an R and D for us. Every day we get to get actual data on what people like. What are they drinking? And what are they going for? And it allows us to get a better handle on where we want to go. You know, I think every idea I have is a good idea. (laughs) My wife will tell you how few of them are actually good ideas. And I think everybody has that. Right. (laughs) And so if you can have a bunch of strangers come in and not know that they're even participating in this. But if we look at over a week, over a month, over a year, where did we see people? What flavors were people drinking? Where were they going? What were they asking for? And then we can start to work on, okay, well, let's try something in that category. The Grapefruit Supreme idea really came out of, we didn't want to make a seltzer because everybody else was doing that. That's, so
1: That's where I was going to go so next. So what,
0: what can we play with that's adjacent to that? Mm-hmm. Well, what do people like about that? I don't know that they're necessarily thinking like, I just want sparkling water so bad. Because for years, people looked at me like an alien when I told them that I just casually drink sparkling water. I enjoy that. So it wasn't like a desire for people to want to put booze in that because there's vodka sodas at every bar everywhere. It was, to me, it was the idea of a lightly fruited, not, you know, uh, Coca-Cola where a third of the can is just raw sugar. People wanted something that had flavor but wasn't over the top that that you could have a few of and not be sick of.
1: I think I have the answer to that. And again, I'm not someone that has ever worked one minute inside the industry because you know way more about it than I do. But I think what happened, and this did start before the pandemic hit. But what I think, and I'm and I'm just applying my own personal purchases to this logic. Yeah. But I think what happened was people started to say, man, I love uh abrasive ale. I love a furious, I love all the whatever craft beer they might have been been into. But they started to look at their waistline and they oh, said, yeah. Well, I still want to consume what I want to consume, but i want to cut down on the calories a little bit. i think that had a big big play in this. i, I 100% agree with you. and i'm also coming over there you keep talking to get more of
0: this. <laughs> it's a, it's a big ask to to for every single thing to be, you know, high in calories. like that's a, we we do have to pay attention to our lifestyle, what else we're doing, where else we're going. and i think that that's that's okay to factor in. And if we're gonna go for something that's lighter in calories, the, the never ending drive is to try to figure out how do we make that taste as good as we can.
1: But here's where I think the seltzer world jumped the shark. And I Fratellone and I I guarantee we talked about it on the show. I don't even remember what store I was in. I no, I do remember. Um, speaking of supporting small business, I you know, when I go get my stuff, obviously I support our friends at Elevated as much mm-hmm. as I can and and, and but I always try to make sure I, I visit the... There's a little tiny liquor store that's in Carver, Minnesota. Sure. It's downtown. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's it's the size of this podcast studio. It's not very big, but I at least try to go there once in a while to to support them because they're you know the good people in my hometown, blah, blah, blah. And I remember walking in there, and it was during the summer because I was on my way to a baseball game, and I thought I'd pick a few things up for the fellows after the game. And there on the shelf I saw... Truly ice pops, as in what you would eat as a kid, you know, a freezy pop. And I looked at the guy and I said, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, yep, they're just going to keep rolling, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, A, how dangerous is that to have that in your house, especially if you have kids, kids around? But B... Does America really have they requested Freezy pops in alcohol form? And you're nodding your head like I'm I'm the idiot here. No, no
0: not at all. We, <laughs> we we live in a society that is based around the uh, the old line from Jurassic Park. We set, spent so long asking if we could that nobody asked if we should. <laughs> that is a great and line. That's th- like no matter what, we have this ability. And I I've never I've spent a little time overseas and I've lived overseas one other time. But like this is where I know the culture like through to my bone. And we. <laughs> We have this desire of if something is a success, then let's bleed every drop we can out of it until it is left a lifeless Hulk on the ground. Right. (laughs) And that's what I'm seeing. Like the original reason that people went to seltzers in my in my world, my friends that loved seltzers, it was something that that. After you had know, you had three IPAs, your palate's burned out, it's a hot day, you want something refreshing that True. isn't going to kill your palate. Yep. The lighter calorie thing also really helps in that. Cool, okay. So I have one little package that I can bring with on the boat or I can bring to a fest, and it's easy for everybody to consume that. Then they're like, well, but what about the people that actually like the flavor of like mellow yellow or Mountain Dew? Let's call it seltzer, but put just as much sugar Maybe even more, and then a little bit of booze in there, and then we'll sell that. And now you have like the second and third lines from a lot of these seltzers are 250, 300 calories per slim can. And it all they're doing is making alcoholic pop. But because they got everybody to like the first stuff, then they're like, Well, I like that brand, so I'll just keep going. Right. And now I mean whatever integrity was there, you're bleeding it out.
1: It to is me. it is funny too to walk into wherever you're going into whether it's elevated or name your other big store. But just seeing how much shelf space now where that I mean you you may have found one door with half of it consumed with a seltzer and now it's it's half of the quote unquote craft beer
0: area. You you know my favorite my favorite thing, and I don't know if if, I don't know if if normal people ever look at stuff like this, but I'm an insane person. So um, what I love is seeing how if you really want to know the effect of white claw just specifically as a brand. Look at how many of those other products that came afterwards are white packaging with like thin text. Like everybody tried to figure out like it's almost subconsciously telling you that this is it's healthy and it's fun. Right. And go for it. And I it was all big, big colors or dark stuff until White Claw. And now there is probably seven or eight SKUs that are all together in there that are all the exact same, just with slightly uh, slight variations on the font. So I had a.
1: I'm trying to. I'm trying to find it. But I had a story about just White Claw. But it does give the listener an an indication of how much the seltzer game has exploded. I'm not going to find the exact article that I read a couple of months ago. um, But this one is 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 about it. Okay, on the sales front, White Claw says it contributed over one billion dollars in growth to the hard seltzer category last year. Yep.
0: They outsold, uh, I have not seen this verified, but uh, I read an article um, early this year. They, uh, White Claw outsold Bud and Bud Light in America in 2020. You are kidding me. Nope. That's, that, that was when like it kind of shook me. Like, that's how big it is. Who is the parent
1: company for White Claw? Is, is it White Claw, or, or are they owned by uh, an InBev, uh, whatever, mm, uh, somebody larger if I than rem- that?
0: It, no, if I remember right, they're owned by Constellation Beverages, which also owns, um, like, Cuervo and Patron okay. and Corona. More
1: than the next two largest growth brands combined, the global hard seltzer market is expected to experience a compound annual growth rate of 16.2% to the year, Twenty twenty seven.
0: When when was that article written? Uh da, 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 da. April first of twenty twenty one. So they're already they're already walking that back. It what was a, it was not a good summer for Seltzers. Really? Yeah. So it's this is,
1: see, and this is why I have you on, because yeah. you're the expert in this regard. It's,
0: it's fascinating to watch <laughs> where the trends are going, but now um there was a huge investment race after all those articles were coming out. And then when people were you know, looking at the Q2, Q3, and going into Q4 um, profit ledgers, everybody's like, wait, oh, this, we're not seeing that growth. What's going on? And then now everybody's pumping their brakes. There, what happened, do you think, in your opinion? There's there's only like so much that you can do. And everybody was expecting that all of these new lines that we were just talking about are going to perform the same way that those original seltzer lines did. So
1: you're saying the market got saturated? It's already saturated. Okay.
0: And so – but it's saturated not by a whole bunch of niche pop-up places all around local communities doing it. It's these five companies flooding the market with 12 different versions of all of their cans. And then on top of that, in every community, there's at least a couple of local breweries that are making them as well. Gotcha. Uh, and then you also have places, uh, you know, not to discount, um, like Grey Duck, who started as a spirits maker and then moved into the seltzer very quickly. Sure. And now that's a huge chunk of, of their revenue coming in. Yeah. So... You have some innovation on the local level, but this was flooding the market with everything that they could come up with. Every every idea was a yes in the <laughs> busy, truly white club. My God,
1: imagine if you had worked in the seltzer industry I mean, with all of your ideas. I, you
0: know, again, and this is just me, this is me being stodgy and in my 40s, but like when I saw the sparkling iced tea seltzer mixed pack come out, I was like... It, it, who was in the marketing meeting being like, guys, you know what we're missing is carbonated tea because that's what all the kids are drinking. If if there's one thing that I know, it's like every young person is like talking about, oh my God, sparkling iced tea is my favorite.
1: So <laughs> I, I I declared this uh, a while back. Maybe it was even a couple of months ago. And because I got an email because I, I basically went on a rant. I went on a pumpkin spice rant yeah. on, the, uh, on this show. Not even necessarily a rant, just a why. Yeah. Why do we need, and again, I like, I, I don't drink a lot of coffee. I know you're a big coffee guy, mm. but I don't drink a ton of coffee. But you know what? I will go to Quick Trip and get a pumpkin spice cappuccino or whatever, because it's good. It's a perfect fall coffee. And then someone said, <clears throat> hey Reeves, uh, you should try the pumpkin spice seltzer from Bud Light. Get out. And so I, I saw a the fall flannel pack. <laughs> and I went, are you, are you, are you. Ben, you got it. It was good. Yeah, I look. I and again, so so, I tried it. It was really good. I'm glad it was just a limited time. They they, they and they perfectly played on my Minnesota heartstrings. It mm-hmm. was apple crisp and toasted marshmallow, and, of course, and, and maples, I think maple syrup. I can't remember in, in the right. pumpkin spice. And I'm thinking, well, this is me. It's saying, hey, Chris Reavers, you love fall. You love watching the World Series. Why don't you go home, and build a little fire, <laughs> put the ball game on Reavers,
0: have a seat, crack a can. And
1: crack then I thought, three. oh man, I really like this. And then, and then there was another one that came out where it was Christmas themed, and it was um, eggnog, and it, I wanted to vomit. It was so bad, the, the the Christmas version. But anyway, so I get it, and I, I'm. I, I'm I'm ripping it yet I'm the one that's guilty of it. Well
0: and that's and that's <laughs> again that's why I went back to that every idea that I have I think is great, you know, just because it's it's the thing that I think doesn't mean it's it's not perfect for somebody else. But again, you're we're not creating many more new customers. You know, yes, every year a bunch of people turn 21, but overall how many of these people are you expecting that are buying your regular four pack variety pack? religiously right they're buying it a couple times a week how many more of your variety packs are you putting on their right. shoulders to buy that right you know like that's that's always the question that I ask and then at the end of the day a soda stream fresh fruit and or some La Croix, La Croix fresh fruit vodka gin tequila you can just make your own <laughs> so when it's not the middle of the summer and you're going out on boats or you're going camping or whatever that's also my question is like are is this a super necessary product? Like I can't just make a beer at home, but I can make a hard seltzer at home like that. Do you need one now? <laughs> I got you. Right. And exactly. I can make one if I only need to make one. Right. Exactly. Right. And so that's always that's always been my, my question mark is what is the longevity of this and how long does this last? And I don't know. I've I've already been proven wrong by seltzers. So I have no problem eating crow on this. Mm-hmm. But I will say it's hard for me. To really think that this is going to be something that this type of growth, like we were just talking about, can possibly sustain itself. Seltzers are here to stay, period. Sure. But that kind of growth, I just don't think we'll see. So one of the things
1: I do want to mention um, is our friends down at Harmony, Minnesota. Harmony Spirits is the name. And you know what? They have been a great partner. With us here on both the Weekly Scramble, but also on Garage Logic. Uh, They're great people. Ben, I don't know if you're familiar with our friends at Harmony Spirits, but it's Handcrafted Spirits made in Harmony, Minnesota. Their whiskey, I know you're a whiskey guy. Yeah, I am. Their whiskey, if you ever have the chance. Yeah. And maybe I should have brought one in for you.
0: Yeah, maybe. How about their, that?
1: Their barrel-strength bourbon. Yeah, I'm in. I still have, you know what, I still have one at home. Mm-hmm. Because I stole Rookie's bottle, um, <laughs> I still have one at home. I will absolutely set it aside for you because I know you're—I know you're a huge whiskey guy. But uh, if you could do us a favor, please go into your local liquor store. Please continue to ask for the Harmony brand by name. They have uh, two styles of rum uh, vodka whiskey gin bourbon it's it's fantastic spirits it also makes a great gift I know we're past Christmas but you know what it's the perfect bottle to bring for a social gathering they were voted number five on the America's best new distilleries by USA today Dang. last year so and they're great guys they've been a wonderful partner I'm really happy for all of their success um if you happen to be in the area too by the way Beautiful tasting room right down there on the Iowa border. Stop in. uh, Let them know that you heard it from Reaver's Big Mouth on the Weekly Scramble or Garage Logic. (laughs) They're great guys, and they have a really cool rotating craft cocktail menu that is at that tasting room, which leads me into my next subject. You've met my beautiful wife. I have. She doesn't drink very often. I make up for it. Um, She is not a seltzer person anymore. And it's only because of her. Because I would, you know, if I bought a 12-pack of seltzer, she would have two in the month of January, and then, of course, the other 10 would sit there. So I would just just consume them, which got me kind of into the seltzer world. Speaking of whiskey, do you know what her latest obsession is? And I'm going to beg the guys from Harmony to think about doing this, and they're going to laugh at me, they're going to rip me, and they're going to tell me how stupid I am.
0: Well, a really wistful crossing my fingers and hoping is that you're going to tell me that she got into whiskey highballs, but I don't think that that's going to be correct. I'm assuming it's a flavored whiskey? Yes. Is it a uh, screwball peanut butter flavored whiskey? Ding, 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 ding. Uh, and mixing it with chambord to make a peanut butter and jelly?
1: Not Chambord, but it's a cranberry-based liqueur. There you go. And I don't even know what the name is. And it might even just just because I know how much of a health nut she is. It might just flat out be cranberry juice, for all I know. I have no idea. Well,
0: and if you go actual cranberry juice, not only are you helping out uh, your liver, but also your entire digestive system, and your urinary tract.
1: Then I guarantee that that's what she's mixing it with. She said, say, can you pick some of this up? And I went, oh, okay, it must be a gift for somebody or whatever. And I got home, and you know, she's a nurse, so it's been a stressful 2020. Yeah. And she cracked it open and poured herself a glass and said, say, what now? What are we doing here? Okay, it's party time. Um, And then, of course, she had one and then fell asleep. However,
0: um, that's not the point. Where did this come from? Uh, So I've heard a bunch of anecdotal stories about this dude. Uh, He's from, and again, I have no idea. This could all just be really, really clever marketing. But they went guerrilla marketing style in the same way that that Fireball did. When Fireball first came out, Mm. they hit Twitter really hard when Twitter was the hottest thing. Like before Instagram had gotten, yep. I, I don't even think if Instagram was a thing yet. It probably wasn't. And they paid a bunch of young people right out of college to run the Twitter account so that 24 hours a day, if anybody posted about Fireball, they would send a thank you tweet immediately. And then sometimes they would like, hey, show this to the bartender and we'll, we'll take we care you. of Yeah, we're going to send them something or we'll do something for you. And it was incredible because I watched it grow Simply from people be like, dude, check this out. Like, let's all take a picture. Boop. And then they would turn it into like a greeting card that said, like, thank you from your friends at Fireball. And you'd get it in like half an hour. And so I watched it like grow. Screwball is similar without the social media like interplay. They started just this dude spent apparently like seven years trying to get this recipe right. And he got some venture capital money. He got his whole thing together. And then he started going around, like trying to just giving away booze for free, trying to get people to like ask for it when they go to liquor stores and You're get into kidding it. Me. And the, the story that I have heard from like three different people was that um, it really broke when he got a bottle backstage to the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl brought it out on stage. No way. And was like, this stuff is amazing. And like took a huge pull. And then everybody, like that that hit social media and went super viral. Everybody started asking about it. And then he started growing it from there. Uh, I Again, I am not an overly sweet person. And I am a person who will always go towards like the simplest thing is the best thing. Mm-hmm. That is not a product that is made for me in any way, shape, or form. But, <laughs> but, I will tell you that if you take a shot of that, and you drop it in the chocolate milk stout from our good friends at Dangerous Man Brewing. It is impossible to not
1: shut the front
0: door, swoon through the back window of your house. <laughs> it was okay, now incredible. I'm making another
1: stop. I'm going to Dangerous Man <laughs> yeah. after this today. Yeah, wow, I it, wouldn't have even thought of that. I
0: mean, I'll straight up tell you, uh, I'm, I'm not proud of this, but we did try it with uh, Surly Darkness, and it was incredible. Uh, wow, I had I had poured out Darkness, and I thought I had emptied the bottle and there was a little bit left at the bottom and it was like, well, i mean, duh. In the name of science, <laughs> we should probably attempt this. <laughs> and it was it was amazing. Wow. I, I get that is one that i understand why people like. I totally get it. That's just never going to be not for you. something that yeah. sweet just will never be for me. Yeah. I will always go dry, bitter, savory. Well, and the thing is like i you know, and i get
1: why it's become an overnight success? Essentially, I mean, I know it's been around for a while, but because look at Jess. There's no way. There's no way that she would ever drink whiskey. Nope. Ever. Nope. She's you know, it, she's she's mostly a vodka gal. Okay. Now Ben is uh, opening up something else. He is. <laughs> what are we opening up here, Benjamin?
0: Uh, well, this is what I was texting you about. Uh, this will be hitting markets in probably about three weeks. Oh, but so this is a. Never seen before a product known to man. This is a <laughs> um so you're familiar with uh with Axeman, correct? Uh, yes
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've heard of I've heard of Todd the Axeman.
0: So this is double bladed Axeman. Wait, what now? We took all of Axeman and turned it up. So this is a double IPA What does it mean? Oh Jesus. Double dry hop version. So
1: this is a double IPA version of, of the Axeman. Uh-huh. Okay. Are you driving me home? No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. First of all, scent is wonderful. It smells very similar to Axeman. Is, now, be, it's all the same stuff. Beyond Furious, is Axeman your next most popular beer at Surly?
0: Uh, by sales? Yeah. Grapefruit Supreme. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Axeman's always going to be in our top five. It's something that we love. Okay. But it is at a premium price, and sure. some, especially like... You know, bars that, that survive on their happy hours that have a really low beer price. We understand. Like it's it you can't always Yeah, that's the appropriate face. Oh I wish God. I wish everybody at home could see the face he just made. You know
1: why? Because the there's two of the biggest X Man fans I know are Johnny Height and Joe Soucheret. Yep. And I'm sitting here thinking, They've never had this before, and yet here I am and I'm having it to myself. And I'm thinking because Oh man, that's good.
0: Well, that that's w- real good. I will. I will declare this on the air. I love Sushiray, and if he ever needs anything, holler at me. I love Johnny to death. I know. And you just Johnny, you just hit me up, and you let me know. <laughs> I will make sure some of this appears at your place. That guy is a class act, and I will do yeah. anything to put a smile. Yeah, on Yeah, Johnny
1: is. I mean, you know, he gets ripped a little bit for some of his political opinions, but I, I have said this since day one. Johnny is easily one of the my most favorite people working with in this industry. It's, it's not even close. Um, Okay, wow. So this isn't even going to be available for three weeks? Correct. Why are we waiting?
0: Um, Literally, this is just getting canned right now. Wow. So um, this came directly from the brewery. I swung by and our good friends at Brooklyn Center... Uh, asked what I was up to, I told him where I was headed. <laughs> I was grabbing some other things, and uh, they threw this can in there and said, "Well, you should probably have him try this." No,
1: yeah. oh, thank you, shout out, that's awesome. So
0: this will start going out on January 10th. Okay, this will start going out to stores. So that week, uh, it's a very, very small batch. Um, the only place So that literally
1: I can... get to the store when this is released, yeah. or it's going to be gone. Yeah,
0: and ask ask your store like to get it. Um, and if the the only place that I can guarantee you you'll be able to have it is the tap room.
1: Oh, there you so go. If yeah, you swing sure. to the beer hall, sure.
0: for sure we'll have that on. Um, but yeah, then it's it's fingers crossed. Wow. Yeah, we just wanted to do something fun in the middle of the winter. This is notoriously the slowest time of the year for everybody, because um, everybody That's makes smart. New Year's resolutions. Yep. Everybody wants to get healthy. Everybody wants to. So
1: you're you're prying on Reavers. Okay, <laughs> Reavers was gonna uh, try to lose weight in January. Wait, wait, wait. We have a double uh, X man available for you. <laughs> Um, well, I'm glad. So, is there an man season, or is that just it's nope. year round? Year round. That's what I thought. Yeah,
0: it's that that beer. Oh man, I, it makes me so happy. I, I love it very very much, and to have uh, sort of an interesting, fun, new way of playing with it. Uh, this is pretty spectacular. So I've noticed just f-
1: because of this being brought up, you guys are really heavily into the double IPA game. Is that is is the double IPA game still really strong?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always like that's the nice part about about people that love hoppy things. There aren't a lot of other placebos that you can have that can mimic those flavors. So if you love hops, it's not like you can go to eight other places and get those same flavors. If for some reason you don't feel like having an IPA. If you love hops, that's pretty much where you're going to get that expressed. Okay. So, um like for me, I love the entire bitter timeline is my favorite. Amaro's like Fernet, uh things that taste really medicinal. Very, very astringent, bitter West Coast IPAs. I love all of that. If it yeah. tastes like you dunked an entire pine tree in the glass <laughs> and then give it a jam, me, that's my jam. And yeah. I understand that there are people that want opaque uh, pineapple juice, orange juice, hazy IPAs. Totally get it. Just not me.
1: Now you're reminding me. You and and Ryan from Elevated again. Uh-huh. You guys turned me in because Ryan's a big West Coast IPA guy. And I remember when my wife and, and family we went out to San Diego and Ballast Point. Had a limited release run. And I at the hotel we were staying at just so happened to be two blocks from the original Ballast Point Brewery, which is still open. Um, it's not very big because yeah. obviously they have a much bigger operation. I forget in what city. But it was just that. It was that exact beer. And I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. And I thought right away, oh, this is Ben
0: Quam's yep. jam right here. Yeah, and we'll have we have more stuff coming out um, this spring. We have a juicy pale ale called Logic Bomb that's dropping in April. <laughs> we have a lighter bodied West Coast IPA um, called Controlled Chaos that's coming out in May. We have another hazy that's dropping in, or sorry, that'll be in March. In May, we have uh, Drips and Drops, which will be another hazy IPA. Is the haze craze still wild? Yeah, I mean, yes, I I.
1: I'm guilty. I I love hazy IPAs. It's
0: it's something that we enjoy doing, but it's not kind of our strong suit. Like, the big, bold, bitter side of the IPA market is kind of more us. Okay. And it's also, like, you look around and, like— you can say, okay, this is really popular right now, and these people are only doing that. Let's let them have that category, and then we'll make a bunch of other things for other people. And I think sometimes that's okay in this market, too. Do, I'm not, yeah. not speaking about Surly specifically, but every brewery. like It's okay to like focus on a few things and say this is really where our, our well, heart and soul
1: is. Isn't that basically the, the place up the street here, Blackstack? Aren't they primarily just a hazy beer operation, which is, I think is really cool, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, you know, you got um, like the guys up at Drecker, like super sweet yeah, guys. Yeah. Pretty much everything is like a murky IPA or like a really thick sour. That's what they are known for. And right on. I don't I prefer really like crisp Pilsners or really bitter like West Coast style IPAs. But that's just my palate. That's not me saying that those are true beers and everything else isn't. Mm-hmm. That's just where I like things to be okay with a with a crisp pilsner i think that you get the most naked look at how somebody is brewing something and the clarity of the water you can really tell that this is a talented brewer if their pilsner or their kolsch or their lager is really really good so i like to drink those as a way of just kind of testing like hey how much care do you put into the actual brewing and then the the west coast ipa that's just a flavor that i love that i don't get from anything else You know, a lot of the same flavors in, like, the hazy IPAs that I like, a lot of those same flavors I would get in, like, a tiki cocktail that I made. So I can make other things that kind of scratch that itch, whereas I don't really have a whole lot that I can do outside of drinking a West Coast IPA if that's what I'm going for.
1: Gotcha. Interesting,
0: you know like the that big bitter and slightly malty backbone of furious There's a reason it's been around for 15 years because
1: I still can't believe that man.
0: you can't it's <laughs> it's really hard to replicate something like that and you can't get that a lot of other places so that's just what I look forward to. Nice.
1: All right, Ben. Uh, before we wrap up, anything else we need to promote? Anything else we need to hit on from all of you fine folks at Surly Brewing?
0: If you are currently listening, like right now, like you did not download this on podcast and listen to it two weeks later. If you are listening today,
1: today meaning December twenty eighth of two thousand and twenty
0: one. Correct. Uh, we have the incredible humans from uh, Nixta in north northeast Minneapolis are doing a pop up tonight and tonight only. At the beer hall, uh, we use their uh, their tortillas in our tacos on the menu normally. Cool. We brewed uh, a Nixta collab beer uh, called I think it's Lager Al Pastor, but there's like there's flavors of lime in there. There's some charred pineapple in there. That beer is on right now, and then they're doing some some extra today only um, food items as well. Cool.
1: Uh, It's I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
0: it's uh, they're they're incredible. They're a a little shop in northeast Minneapolis and they're um, making tortillas using nixtamalization, which is the way that tortillas were made pre colonization in um, in Central America. And it's it changes like I as we've talked about, like I love to cook and I love food. I love all of that. That is something where. If I just stop there and I buy a pack of those tortillas, it completely ups every single item that I make that night. Nice. It's just. It's really, really good people making really, really good food.
1: So what you're trying to do right now is you're trying to twist my arm and make me make that lengthy commute from Hubbard Broadcasting over to Surly Brewing to try to try some of these amazing tor- uh, tacos. You know,
0: it's not a track meet; it's a marathon, Reavers. And I think <laughs> if we can if, together, we might be able to get through that three-block walk.
1: Awesome, fantastic! Thanks, man, for coming in. I appreciate you.
0: What a pleasure to be here. And again, uh, given w- what time of year this is, I just want to take a second and thank everybody out there who's supporting local restaurants. Yes. Who's supporting supporting local breweries, who's supporting any local business at all. Uh, And just because the holidays are done doesn't mean that need goes away. Uh, So whatever you can do to support your local community, do that. And also, please, 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 I'm begging you, add a little bit more kindness. Even if you think you're already a nice person, add a little bit more kindness into your day. Everyone is stressed. Everyone is tired. Everyone's having... A tough time of it all, given what's going on, and a little bit of extra kindness and a little bit of extra patience is going to make everything better.
1: His name is Ben Kwam from Surly Brewing. He's one of the best in the business, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Weekly Scramble. And, yes, we will be doing another edition next week when the entire Garage Logic crew is back in studio on Monday celebrating the new year. For Ben Quam, for Mike Fratelloni, my name is Chris Reavers. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll do this again next week. And until then, cheers. At Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, they are your go-to destination for everything that you need for your New Year's celebration. Over 130 flavors of brats, bone-in prime rib, boneless prime rib, beef tenderloin, porterhouse, ribeye, they are the place to go for your party celebration for this New Year's. Don't forget about the meatloaf, salmon, they've got you covered at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Check out their entire selection online at Grunhofer'sMeatMarket.com or just simply stop into their store. It's the north end of Hugo on Highway. Highway 61.